You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Teacher's Pet is brought to you by Petco.com. Petco is a leading specialty retailer of premium pet food supplies and services, offering more than 10,000 high-quality pet-related products. Enter the code TEACHER10, TEACHER, the number 10, and get 10% off any order, no minimum, at Petco.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, shit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, Director of Training and Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey. Welcome to training session number 24, which I'm calling now Training in a Twitter World. How many of you walk around with pieces of uh, electronics attached to your body? It's amazing (laughs) when I sit on a plane or I walk through an airport or just even down the street. People, they've got cell phones attached to them, Blackberries, iPhones, and a computer bag. It's like we're walking around with six different pieces of electronics attached to us. I was just talking to someone this weekend. It's like, can we ever get away from people? So I have to find some place where I can vacation where there is no electricity. Wouldn't that be fun? But do you ever take a walk with your dog and not have the phone with you? Someone yelled at me the other day and said, I can't believe you're hiking your dogs and you don't have your cell phone with you. Well, my goodness, I've been hiking my dogs for my entire life and I used to play in the woods when I was a child and I did just fine without a cell phone. And that's really not what I want to have with me. It's sort of my private time. So this, this is a complaint that I hear from trainers. Um, they say it all the time. I can't get compliance from my client since they don't have time to practice. So does that sound familiar to you? Well, believe it or not, I don't either. So I, I'm right there with you. So here are a few tips that I give trainers so they have a better chance of succeeding. And trainers forget that the average pet owner Again, you're not professional dog trainers. So what they might be saying, again, is not practical. I talked a little bit this in training session number 23. So before we take a break, listen and find out what trainers are saying and how you can help them achieve success by explaining to them what you really need. So don't go away. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Hey, boy, how you doing? What am I doing? I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? (laughs) Yeah, I know, me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your life book page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. (coughs) No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial life book. (coughs) No, not for Grandma. 
but we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity. And friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the Pet Life Radio homepage. <coughs> Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. Hey, come back here. <coughs> create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle. And we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention, there may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Silvani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about training in the Twitter world. And we could say the Facebook world and on and on and on and on. So we live through our electronics. So who has time to train the dog? Eventually, I think we're going to start training dogs through our computers. This is probably going to happen one day. But hopefully, we still will be able to put our hands on them. So we need to use ideas in the real world. So when I talk to my clients about how they're going to work with their dogs, okay, I try to come up with things that are as practical as possible, but things that I know they can do and when they can do them also. So if ideas aren't used within 24 hours, sometimes they might not even think about it again. So I tell people to write down their ideas, some ideas that you liked over two days, and then start working on them as soon as possible. The key is, again, I talked about this two weeks ago in the training session, trainers find the process of training inherently interesting maybe pleasurable, uh, challenging, fun, and many times addicting. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't find the same thing, but typically what I see is a lot of pet owners might find the process of training tedious, sometimes frustrating, sometimes confusing, and maybe at times overwhelming. And like other hobbies, going to the gym, martial arts, yoga, dancing, studies reveal that convenience wins over motivation to stick with something. And the dropout rates are hovering in the 80% bracket in the first year or two. So dog training is really no different. Um, How many of you really went on, you started off on the right foot and you did some training, maybe the first year of your dog's life, and then all of a sudden you stop training. And now you start to see poor behaviors return from the dog. And I hear people say, oh, you know, I took you to training. Can you believe this dog went to training class? 
well, it's not really the dog's fault because he's not going to continue on if you're not sticking with your guidelines and your program and you sort of get you get sloppy with what you're allowing the dog to do. He's not going to turn around and say, remember, Pia said that you need to release the dog from a sit stay by returning the dog and tapping on the dog's shoulder. They're going to do exactly what they feel they can get away with because they're in it for themselves just as much as we are. So are trainers part of the problem? Sometimes I feel that trainers might overwhelm clients too much with way too much information, practical and theory. So I tell all my new instructors, when you're working and teaching a class, don't overwhelm the client. Hey, again, Talk about teachable moments, so they're context-specific. There are no cookbook recipes, so we have to respect individual variation. So what are teachable moments? Teachable moments are, for example, you get up in the morning and you are going to take your dog out. So that could be a good time for your dog to sit before you open up the door. If you're getting well, and again, all of these behaviors have been taught in prior training sessions. So maybe I've gotten the dog out and I bring him back in. So it's a good time to practice out in and dog comes in. Now I decide I'm going to feed him. So what I'm going to do is maybe sit, wait, put the bowl down. Dog gives me eye contact. I say yes. And then I let the dog eat his food. So he's, again, he's being polite. He's not just diving into his food. He's not jumping all over you where the food's flying all over the place. So now it's, it's time to take the dog out. This could be another opportunity. Maybe put the dog into a down. Tell him to wait. You step outside and invite the dog out. So that's what I call teachable moments where you don't have to do it actually put aside, you know, half hour to train the dog. If you like that, do it. By all means, do it. But I like a dog that listens to me throughout the day in all contexts. Now, again, maybe are we part of the problem as trainers? We're giving you too much too fast. So we might need, again, to break it down into small digestible bites instead of um, jumping all over the map. So we need to stay on topic. And do we teach you to expect mistakes and what to do when they occur? That's important. Dogs are not going to be perfect. They never will be. No matter how hard you train, they're going to make mistakes. We make mistakes. So I never get upset at my dog for making a mistake. Or sometimes, you know what? They're not in the mood. They might just simply not be in the mood to do something. You know, and we don't know why. Are they tired? Are they sore? Are they distracted? There could be so many things going on that might elicit them to not comply. So what do you do in those situations? And that's where your instructor needs to be able to say, if your dog is not listening, say you've told your dog to sit at the curb before you cross the street and the dog doesn't do it, find out why. Now, why is it? Is he afraid of cars? Are there too many people at the sidewalk and your dog is feeling a little claustrophobic? Are there other dogs around? Maybe your dog is a little fearful of dogs and he doesn't want to sit because he's feeling a little bit vulnerable. Or is the dog just not paying attention? Okay, you're ready at the crosswalk. There's a lot of things going on. What you need to do instead is get his focus, make sure you have attention, tell him to sit again, and if he doesn't wait him out, take a step back away from the curb. See if you can figure out exactly what's going on. 
Now, I never recommend that people go home and do their homework or what you do is you need to practice. What I say instead is what to work on and I make sure I give you real clear directions because when you say homework or practice, once again, it just puts more pressure on you and more stuff on your plate to do psychologically when you think about that. But if I give you ideas of when to work on it and how to, you're probably going to be more apt to do it. So again, we need to focus on the behavior and then we need to address the basic training skills. Now, the game needs to be winnable for the dog too. So I call it the game because it's the training game. That's what you're really doing. It's fun. It should be fun. Actually, it should be fun for both of you. But how does the dog win? How do you teach the dog that he wins? Well, he wins by complying and then he gets rewarded. And when I talk about rewards, remember, I'm not just talking about food. If you're only using food every time the dog does something, oh, that something's wrong there with your training education. So make sure you are rewarding the dog sometimes with food, sometimes with play, and then sometimes a real life reward. And if we think about real life rewards, what are they? They're going outside. Hey, the dog is dying to go outside. The dog is dying to be released from the car. Other real life rewards, a real life reward is the dog relieves himself. Okay, so just taking the dog outside is a real life reward. I get to go to this area and I can relieve myself. And a real life reward could be sniffing. So if your dog holds a down stay, so you're practicing that, for example, and he happens to be a huge sniffer, I'm not going to let you sniff right now. I want you to hold a down stay. If you sniff, then I'm going to release you and I'm going to use that as a reward. All right, you can go sniff now. So that's important to understand those two key factors. Maybe we focus too much on what motivates the dog and not what motivates you. So you're a pair, you're a team. I call you a dance partner. You and your dog are working together. You both might have different motivations. Your motivation could be entirely different than what the dog's motivation is. So it's trying to find that happy balance there of exactly what will turn you on and what turns the dog on. And can you come to a mutual meeting of the minds? So that's important. Next, do you accept compliance without commitment? I want my dogs to be committed when they're working with me. Many times when you see the dog sit, like you say, buddy, sit, and he sits, but what does he do? He sort of meanders off. All right, I sat, there you go, give him my treat, now I'm off again. No, that's not acceptable. To me, that's not a commitment. That means he complied, but he's off doing his own thing. So make sure again that you raise the bar. If I tell my dog to sit, I want him to sit there. I want him to look at me. I might reward him, I might not, depending on where he is in his training. And he better hold that position until I tell him to get up. But when I tell him to get up with an okay release, I don't expect him to just take off and walk away from me. I want him hanging out there. So to me, okay means you can get up, but don't wander off yet because I might tell you to do something else. So to get that, I might need to reinforce after my release to keep the dog there. And then I have sort of a go-free cue. It just means, all right, go be a dog, go sniff, go, go do what you want to, but always check in with me. Because remember, my dogs are off leash a lot. So if they're off leash quite a bit, and again, when I say they're off leash a lot, that means they're in safe areas. Um, I don't have them off leash, obviously, near streets or in areas where we're not permitted to. 
So I go to quiet little areas to hike with my dogs and they're off leash on my property. So I want to make sure I'm real clear with that. I don't want you to think, well, Pia has her dogs off leash and she walks down the street. No, that I would never do. So again, we need to also make sure that you get off of the food. Not you personally, but to get your dogs off of the food. So we have to teach you how to be slot machines. So to be a slot machine, you're going to get better performance. So think about that. You know, you go and you put, I have no idea how much slot machines are now. They used to be a quarter, but they could be a dollar. So when you think about slot machines, you keep putting, let's just say it's a dollar, the dollar in and you get nothing. You put another dollar in, then you put another dollar in and oops, oh my gosh, I just got now $10 back think, all right, I'm ahead of the game here. I'm going to keep trying. That's what dogs do too. So pay less often when they understand it. Pay too often when they're just learning. Maybe also you pay the same for anything and everything. That's sloppy. Okay, that's sloppy rewards. So if you get a really fabulous behavior and you're so impressed by it and you give the dog a reward and then you get a really slack off behavior you call your dog to come and he sort of sniffs and he eventually gets there and you give him the same reward why should the dog be motivated to really give you that sharp enthusiastic recall and are you predictable if you're predictable it's going to lead to boredom in the dog because they're smart they're watching and if the dog is bored with you that's a problem Hey, it's going to give you a lot of frustration. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a real short break to hear from our sponsors. So don't go away. We'll continue on. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Teacher's Pet is brought to you by 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. 1-800-PET-MEDS is your best source for pet medications, vitamins, supplements, and pet supplies. Get great savings, fast service, and free shipping. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash teacher to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand. 
This is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Ugh. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Slavana, your host, and continuing talking about training in the Twitter world. So, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of what I call client frustrations that I hear, and this is what people have told me, that they're not getting success early on. That's important. I know that I would probably, and I let's think about mm, like skiing. For those of you who are skiing, I can remember when my husband first learned. I learned as a child, but he learned as an adult. And he kept falling, kept falling, kept falling. And so, but he w- didn't want to take a lesson. And I said, I think it's smart if you take a lesson, not from me, but from somebody else. And as the result, once he did, he gave in and he said, now I'm feeling success. I have a better understanding of what to do, even though I was saying the exact same thing. So many times what I find, too, is I don't give advice to family or friends because most of the times they're not going to listen to me. But again, I want you to see success early and repeated trials. How much is too much? Are you doing too much where you're practicing, like, say, downs, for example, and now you've done it five times and your dog is saying, okay, I've done it five times now and I really would like to move on to something else. So don't make it tedious. Don't make it again boring. Break it up. Throw in a sit. Throw in something else. Play a little bit with them and then all of a sudden throw in a down before you throw the ball for the dog. So again, there's another teachable moment. Sometimes the frustration is not getting the family on the same page. And do you really all have to be on the same page in order to have success? Not necessarily. You want to try to have some consistency, but believe me, dogs can figure you out individually very quick and very easily. They know who they can jump on and who they can't. They know who they can bite in the butt and who they can't. They know who they can chase down and who they can't. They know who they have to listen to and who they can have selective hearing with. So if you want the dog to listen to everyone equally, yes, then you probably need to all be on the same page. But then again, if one person really likes to wrestle with their dog and maybe rough house, so long as that doesn't carry over and the dog has an understanding, I only do it with this person and not everybody, that could absolutely be fine. Many times also paralysis of uncertainty is what I call sort of like, I don't know what to do, so I stop doing it. I see that a lot with people when they're confused. So it's important that your instructor's really observing you carefully because if you have a tendency to freeze okay, because you don't understand it, you're not going to get anywhere. So also maybe there are false hopes. When is the dog fully trained? Never. <laughs> That's my answer. When do we stop our education? Never. So we can't say, wow, I, you know, I've got my master's, uh, I've got my bachelor's, my master's, and my PhD, so I don't need to learn anything anymore. 
we never would ever think about saying that as human beings. So for us to say that, oh, the dog is fully trained, well, he's never fully trained. He can always learn something new. Now, a lot of times we see, so we have that sort of what I call the Lassie myth. You know, so what's wrong with my dog? Nothing. You know, there were many Lassies. There are many dogs. And, and believe me, for dogs to be on television and trained like that, there's a lot of training that's involved. So don't ever think about when I say don't ever compare your dog to Lassie. If your dog is like Lassie, touche. You have done a great job. You are a good dog trainer. Now, you could have some fears also, sort of a double-edged sword. Failing is a powerful motivator, but many times you have to succeed to overcome those fears. So that's our job then to ensure that you're succeeding. Many times I have clients, they're afraid to fail. They might have low thresholds for embarrassment and that could induce you to set low goals. So if I find that I have a very quiet, shy client, I'm going to work again with that client's personality. Sometimes there's a fear of rejection. The client might want to live up to uh, my expectations, peers, family, and they might have an inability to live up to that that might cause us to reject you not fair. Again, looking at you as individuals is critical, really, really critical. And I've heard sometimes a fear of rejection from the dog. Now, if I punish the dog, he's not going to no longer love me. Well, studies have shown that when you think about it realistically, if you live in that perfect world where you never have an argument with your child, your significant other, wow, that's pretty impressive. But when we have a history of lots of positive reinforcement, lots of love, good stuff going on between the two of us, one little argument is not going to wreck that solid relationship. However, if you're arguing all the time, for example, you're correcting all the time, then that's going to ruin your relationship. Something's wrong. So you need to start to focus on what you like and not necessarily what you don't like. And again, that's finding the time, but that's the teachable moments again. So use what works. And I say to people, do you feel comfortable doing this? Take your time. What's the rush? Is there really a rush? If there is, then we really obviously have to think of a different criteria and a different protocol for you. So I think of any small change as success. If you see the slightest bit of change, say your dog is jumps on people 10 times a day and today he only jumped on people five times. That's success. That definitely is success. So if you look at it that way, that can be really, really helpful. I am really a stickler about telling people that they do a great job, just like I am with dogs. I try to focus on what I like. So I do the same thing when I'm working with people. What do I like? What are you doing that I find to be really, really cool? And I'm going to focus on that because I want to keep you motivated. But then again, life happens. You can't stop living because you have a dog also. So again, it's giving you ideas. What do you do when you have a dog? You might all of a sudden, especially with the economy today and people losing their jobs, now all of a sudden you have to you have an hour commute to work which you never had before so it's again giving you ideas pet care daycare things of that sort to help you out again like we said life happens you are on a say you're on a really good training regimen then you have an illness in the family you've become ill you're injured anything can happen 
anything can happen. You, you move. You don't have time. Don't put the pressure on yourself. Dogs are very forgiving creatures. So they'll go, I promise you, they'll go with the flow. That is so, so important. So you have to feel appreciated and you have to feel competent. And if your instructor doesn't appreciate you as a person, I would probably find somebody else. You need to go away feeling that you can. That is very, very critical. It's it's I can and I will. So the question that I always have here to people is make sure that your instructor is talking to you, not at you. Okay, Make sure they're listening to you. Keep those ears open. They should be making eye contact with you. They should be smiling. They should do anything that, again, makes you feel that you're capable. And make sure they're giving you nice compliments, too. I think that's important. So we need to offer ideas and advise you in a way that you hear. So basically, it's like, do you understand what we're saying? And do you agree? And if you have feedback, give your feedback to your instructor and make sure they respond. And we need to appreciate your value because if we do, we build that rapport, then we're working together for, for your dog. And that's the key. It's a key to good coaching and it's a key to having a really good relationship with each other. So I hope this was helpful and I hope it gives you some tips for maybe if you don't have a dog right now or you're thinking about getting a dog or maybe you're thinking about going back to class. Do your homework and again, look for somebody who when they say, I just love dogs. That's great. I do too, but I really like people just as much as I like dogs and that's the instructor that you want. So, until next time, special thanks to our producers, as always, for making the show happen. Also, I love to hear from anyone who feels like writing to me via email, questions, comments, ideas, anything. Again, it's always not easy to come up with something new, but I do appreciate any suggestions at all. But email me at Pia at PetLifeRadio.com. So, until next time, this is Pia signing off. Thank you so much for your interest in Pet Life Radio. Keep listening. Bye-bye. Schools in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.